Welcome to those of you who are new here this morning. My name is Alex, and I'm one of the pastors here. We are delighted if you're joining us here for the first time, whether in person or online. What we're all about is connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other. So together we can engage our world for good in Jesus' name, according to his purposes. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. A, uh, a, a quick fashion note, a few of us are wearing masks this week because we had significant exposure, including me on Thursday. I'm symptom-free, all that kind of thing, just out of an abundance of caution. I'm wearing a mask, so I will be maintaining distance, not because I don't like you, but just because I hopefully won't get sick and don't want to get anyone else sick as well. So uh, uh, we're partying like it's 2020 around here at Chatham Community Church because it's so much fun to go back to, to mask world. So uh, that is that. If you're just joining us, we are halfway through a summer series called Signature Moments. Almost all of us have friends or family members that we know and love well. And uh, there's stories that sort of encapsulate their quirks, their personalities, the things that we love about those people. And, and those stories often get told over and over and over again at, at the gatherings. Well, God has his own signature stories. His own signature moments and so we're going over the course of the summer from Genesis all the way through to Revelation looking at God's signature moments as he works with his people he's got signature grace that he moves toward people with and then there's ways that his people respond faithfully all kinds of different faithful responses and here's what happens when God's signature grace meets our faith-filled faithful responses as best as we can it just releases all kinds of grace power redemption beauty love into the world to heal broken things so our goal over the course of this whole series is twofold one is that we want to learn what god's signature grace looks like because we don't want to ignore it we don't want to miss it we don't want to push back against it we want to embrace it what's god doing how might i step in with what god's grace is up to so that's one goal and then the second thing is that we might learn what faithful response looks like all kinds of different faithful responses because when god's grace meets the faithful responses of god's people it unleashes all kinds of grace and beauty and so the world, and as we're going through this series, uh, we are inviting uh, you on Sunday mornings to write down what's standing out to you about God's grace and our responses. We've invited you to write these down and post them on the bulletin board out there on the way out. And uh, we've been gathering these things up. What does God's grace look like? What's standing out to us as a church? And then what does signature response look like for us as a church? And here's the, uh, we, here's the word cloud from the first two weeks of the series we've been doing this. The gold is sort of what God does, right? God loves God warns, God's promises, God's patience, God calls, God has strength, God gives us second chances. Isn't that good news? God gives us second chances, amen? The gold is God and the blue is the faithful response of the people. This is what's standing out to us as we're looking at these different passages, right? That we look, uh, we repent, we step up, we embrace, we uh, respond with faith and action, we receive, we seek, awe, and we follow. These are, this is what God's saying to us because here's the thing, signature moments don't just happen with individuals they happen with churches families whole communities have signature moments and so what we're trying to do is say what is God saying to us together and how might we grow in responding together to what God's calling us to do and who God's calling us to be what is God what what if God has a signature moment for Channel Community Church we want to have our eyes wide open to see what this might look like how might we, how we might respond faithfully together because when God's activity meets faithful responses all kinds of beautiful things are released into the world. Well, it's, uh, it's summertime, and all my social media newsfeed, all my friends are going on perfect vacations. Perfect vacations to perfectly exotic locations. And every moment of that vacation, they're locking arm in arm, gazing into each other's eyes, telling each other how much they love each other, and how wonderful and perfect this vacation is, and how this is the best moment of our lives, every moment of every second of every vacation, right? Is, that's what your vacations look like on Facebook, in case you're wondering. 
Social media, right? Everyone has perfect vacations that make you look, that make you jealous that your vacation is not as cool as theirs. That's the, pro, that's the whole point of social media, right? You're posting, our, we post your highlight reels, and then we think that's normative. So this is the danger of doing a signature moment series over the course of the summer. Ten weeks of looking at all these highlight reels. We don't want to set expectations that every moment of every experience of God should look like this. Right? We're looking at signature moments that are like once in a lifetime, even once in a generation for many of these people. Right? So here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to create sort of an unrealistic expectation that these are like all these moments we should be having over and over and over again. Most of us are going to have sort of 5 to 25 signature moments over the course of our lives. Here's what's valuable about looking at these signature moments here in the scriptures. Signature moments help us to see what's always true so that we might live in light of that in between signature moments. Signature moments show us what's true about God, God's character, God's purposes in the world, what God wants to do with us particularly, or what God wants to do sort of in the world generally. And as we have these amazing moments where God intersects our lives in in wonderful, beautiful ways, what that does is it shows us, it points us in a direction, it teaches us who God is so that we might practice and practice and live out that, that as faithfully as we know how in light of God's purposes. In between your signature moments, which might be decades between signature moments, we live faithfully in light of these signature moments of what God reveals and exposes about who he is but what God's purposes are. The passage that Ernie read earlier from Isaiah is exactly this. It's a signature moment in a man named Isaiah's life that just pulls back the curtain on reality and shows Isaiah and all of us what is always, always true. So it opens around the year 740 B.C., and that's the year that King Uzziah died. So Isaiah is, uh, is a prophet around 740 B.C., and King Uzziah passes away, but he had been king for 52 years. As a whole generation, right? He'd been king for a long, long time. And Uzziah started really, really good with God and faithful. And then he didn't end quite so well with the Lord. But it had been a relatively secure, stable, and prosperous reign under King Uzziah. So this is a major transition. The only king most of those people have ever known just died. There's anxiety in the air. There's transition in the air. And that is the year that the Lord shows Isaiah What's true? He sees the Lord. And what does he see? He sees this awesome picture that Jews and Christians have meditated on for thousands and thousands of years. The picture of God. This, the, the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. See, Uzziah had just served for 52 really good years for the nation of Israel. And the question everyone's asking is, what happens now that King Uzziah is dead? And the good news is, God is still on the throne. Amen? The Lord's still on the throne. The Lord's still on the throne. The Lord's still on the throne. King Uzziah is gone, but the Lord is still king. The Lord was king before King Uzziah was on the throne. The Lord will be king after King Uzziah is dead and gone. The Lord is king. The Lord is king. The Lord is king. And my friends, this was always, always true. It's just Isaiah has a signature moment that reveals it and helps him to engage with it and comforts him with this really good news. My friends, here's our first stop on today's passage about the signature moment, that God's signature reality, what is always true is that the Lord is always king and he reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen. And your circumstances and my circumstances and our nation's circumstances do not change a thing about who is on the throne. And it's only when we put this at the center of our lives that the solar system of our lives holds together. 
right? It's like putting the sun at the center of the universe. You try to put the earth at the center of the universe, it doesn't hold together, it collapses. You put the good news that the Lord is king and you order your life and organize your life around that truth and your life brings, comes together in a way that is ordered, right? My friends, some of you are in the midst of chaos right here, right now. All kinds of chaos, all kinds of disorder. Really good news for you this morning. The Lord is king, even in the midst of your chaos. God's still on the throne. Some of you have made really bad decisions. You had all kinds of consequences, things kind of falling out, not in ways that you wanted them to. Good news, the Lord is king. He still reigns. He still rules in spite of your mistakes. Some of you don't care about any of this. Your spouse drags you here on Sunday mornings. We're so glad you're here. I've got really good news for you. God is king. And that frees us, that frees you, frees me, frees all of us from the illusion of control. Because control is an illusion, my friends. You have no control. The Lord is king. It also frees us from the anxiety that darkness reigns, that loss and sin and death, that that's the last word over all things. Good news, my friends, darkness isn't on the throne. Satan isn't on the throne. Evil isn't on the throne. The Lord is king. He's on the throne. When we put the Lord at the center of our lives, not our careers, not our money, not, 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 not like a substance, like not alcohol, not drugs. We put the Lord at the center of our lives, not what other people think about us, not the approval of others. When we put the Lord at the center of our lives, not our own ambitions, not our own fears, not our own anxieties. When we put the Lord at the center of our lives, it releases freedom, grace, truth. It's like living in line of reality, like living in line with gravity. The Lord is on the throne. That is always, always true. Messiah, uh, Isaiah, sorry, just gets a glimpse of this here in this signature Moments and it has these wonderful little details, right? There's the there's the robe and the train of his robe fills the temple. So uh, God isn't just up high, super far away from the earth. There's touch points between God and humanity. And in the Old Testament, that was the temple, that was Jerusalem. That's where God's presence dwelled, where people gathered in his name to make sacrifices and to pray and to seek out the Lord. So the temple is full of God and God's presence and God's glory. There's a place where we can meet him. And then above the Lord, the robe is kind of beneath him, but then above the Lord, you've got that interesting picture of the angel singing over him. You catch that. Above him were the seraphim. Those are angelic beings. It literally means burning ones. Six wings, right, covering faces, cover feet, two, they're flying. And they're calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you notice they're calling to one another? C.S. Lewis pointed this out to me many, many years ago, that the angels are singing to each other. Not to God, but to each other, remind each other what's true. And C.S. Lewis's take on this is this. Every voice sounds a little bit different when we talk about God's goodness, doesn't it? Every voice, like God's always good, God's always holy, but how you perceive it and how you, sit, how you talk about it, it's going to be different, right? It's like we saw the same sunset, listen to the same music. We describe it slightly differently, right? So each voice brings its own distinct tone and tenor to the good news that God is holy and the whole earth is full of his glory. And then, of course, they're saying the same things, but my friends, hear the good news. Your story of God's glory is different from my story of God's glory. I need you to sing it to me. I need you to tell it to me. We have to t tell each other, remind each other of the good news of who God is. So what we have is we have this vision of God's holiness, God's goodness, and we have this signature response that the angels and that human beings enter into. We worship and bear witness to one another. 
of the goodness of God. We'd sing the song about how good God is, how faithful God has been, right? You've got your story. I've got my story. We have to call it out to each other. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to run the room right in half, right here, right in half, right in half. You can choose which side you want to be in. This side, you're singing, you're singing, you're going to turn to this side of the room and you're going to tell them, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. And then you're going to call back to them and tell them the whole earth is full of the Lord's glory, right? Can we do this? All right. Right side, are you ready? Let's face them. You got to tell them because they don't know. They need some help this morning. This side, y'all ready? One, two, three, tell them. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. Your side, the whole earth is full of his glory. Again, this side, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. This side, the whole earth is full of his glory. One more time with feeling. Over here, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. This side, We worship and we bear witness because here's the thing. There are people sitting behind you, beside you, in front of you who have had signature moments that you need to hear about God's glory and how God's glory intersected their lives, transformed their lives, changed their stories forever and ever and ever. Amen. You need to tell the story of how God has been faithful to you to one another and to anybody, anybody that'll listen. Check out Clark at the Harris Theater, whatever, everywhere you go. Like, can you sing of God's goodness, God's glory? Say, here's how God's glory has intersected my life. Here's the story of God's holiness and God's goodness and God's mercy intersecting my life. My, my problems at work, my problems at home, God's glory is still at work. And if some of you are here and you're not Jesus people, not faith people again, we're so glad that you're here. I hope and pray that you might be willing and to hear the stories of the people around you. Because maybe you'll hear it from, from them better than you'll hear it from me. Fantastic. Great. Tell your story. Holiness of God is good news. The whole earth is full of his glory. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how messy it is. It doesn't matter how mucked up things are, how difficult things are. It doesn't matter the, bad, the decisions you made or decisions other people have made. The whole earth is full of his glory. That glory intersects our lives. And so we sing it to one another. We declare it to one another because we forget all the time, don't we? And so we remind each other the good news. The whole earth is full of his glory. Isaiah has the signature moment. All it does is show it's always true. God is always on the throne. The angels are always singing to one another about the holiness of God, the goodness of God, the glory of God filling the earth. And then we echo the angel's song to one another. The Lord is holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. My story, as sort of inconsistently faithful as I am, is still full of God's glory. Here's how God's glory has intersected my life in my own moments. Now, Isaiah's first part of this whole vision is his response to what he sees. And Isaiah has kind of a signature response. This is kind of how almost everyone in the Bible responds when they have this kind of an encounter with the goodness of God. Isaiah says, woe to me. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from, with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt's taken away, and your sin is atoned for. When, uh, when my kids were really little, my wife had a really high value on outdoor play. Get outside, get outside, get outside, away from screens. Just go and play, play, play. So they're in the woods, in the dirt, like on long summer days like this. They're like out there like all day long, right? So they would come in at the end of a long summer day, and, and uh, you would sort of know that they'd been in the dirt, been filthy. But then when you got them into the bathroom under the bright light, all the dirt started to shine, you saw there's like there's dirt like behind their ears and kicked in their eardrums. I mean, it's like everywhere, right? Because the closer you get to the light, the more you see the dirt, what's already there. As Isaiah comes into the light, 
God's holiness exposes what's always already been there, that he is a man of unclean lips, that there is sin on the ledger, that there is things on him that he would rather not have on him. And he gives us the signature response of like, gosh, woe to me, because God's holiness is a bright light that exposes all sin. It just shows what's already there. God's holiness doesn't make us sinners. It just exposes what's already there. Because the closer you get to the light, the more you see the dirt. The closer you get to the light, the more you see the things that should not be are there. So as we step into God's holiness, the dirt that's there gets exposed. Now listen, here's the good news. Sin is not all that's there. There's an image bearer underneath all that sin that God made, right? And there's beauty in there, and there's gifts God's given you, and there's the light that God has put in you, and there's Christ, most of all, that we'll talk more about that. But my friends, as we get closer to the light, the sin, the stuff that's in us is exposed. And so Isaiah, Isaiah's response is this, he grieves his sin. That's a signature response to seeing our sin, we grieve it. Woe to me. I hate that that's there. I hate that my pride is there. I hate that my pride gets in the way of me loving people, loving my kids, loving my wife, loving you all the way I should. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Woe to me. I'm a man of unclean lips. Isaiah has a signature response. The holiness of God exposes. He sees under the bright lights, here's the dirt on me, and he is repentant. He grieves it. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a whole people who are all the same as me. And then we get God's beautiful signature response to this reality. He atones for the sin that would separate us from God. An angel, one of those angels that was singing, picks up the coal and touches his lips and says, you know what, yes, you were a man of unclean lips. That was true of you. God isn't going to pretend that that's not true. That is true. But I'm going to atone for this. I'm going to make it right. The angel of the Lord gets this thing off the altar. That's the altar is the place where they'd offer the sacrifices. And then touches his lips and says, your sin is atoned for. Your guilt is taken away. Guilt taken away. Not guilty feelings taken away. Actual guilt taken away. Those are two different things, right? Guilt taken away. Wrongdoing taken away. Not just I feel bad about it. I've actually done something wrong. That guilt is taken away. Atone for. The Hebrew word is kippur or kippur. Yom Kippur was one of the highest holy days of the ancient Jewish calendar. A whole day of just acknowledging how we fall short, how God's people fall short, and day of sacrifice and grief. I have not loved the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I've not loved my neighbor as myself. I've sinned against God. Thought, word, and deed. What I've done and what I've left undone. All these places where I fall short of the Lord. And yet... The Lord declares in his mercy, I'm going to take care of that. Your sin would separate you. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make sure that that sin does not get in the way. I'm going to atone for that. Kippur, I'm going to make that right. The, the English word atonement means is literally at one mint. You see that? At one mint, right? So here's what sin does. Every time you and I sin, we fracture our own psyches. We fracture our own souls. We fracture our own spirits. And every time we sin against someone else, we fracture this beautiful glass that God has created. Every time we sin, we introduce a fracture into the world. Atonement is making things that should have never been broken apart and making them one again. At oneing us with himself, with God, with one another. Healing the ways that when we sin, every time you lie, every time you lie, there's a, you do a split inside of you about between the, the part of you that was supposed to be speaking truth and the part of you that just spoke that lie. What God wants to do is make you whole again, at one you, with yourself, with God, and the world. Because here's what happens. We, we introduce these fractures over and over and over again, and then we build fractured families, unless you have a perfect family. Anyone have a perfect family? 
We build fractured businesses. We build fractured governments. We build fractured banking systems. We build, build fractured legal systems. We have all these fractures woven all throughout society because of the sin in, our, in, our, in, in the world. And because of God's goodness and kindness, his signature response is to at one things again. Ultimately, we see this in Jesus Christ who comes to at one us to God forever and ever and to make us men and women across every dividing line of hostility, gender, ethnicity, all these cultural divides, he comes to bring us all together to at one us to himself and to one another that we might build things that are whole again. Some of us have voices of shame and guilt that run on repeat over and over and over again. Not enough, not enough, not enough, not good enough, not smart enough, not pretty enough. Over and over and over again, you have these loops, right? And the part of the power of those voices that you battle with is there's an echo, there's a kernel of truth in them, right? We all fall short, we all fall short, right? So here's the good news. The bad news is we do fall short. The good news is the voice that tells you you're not enough is not the voice of the Lord. It's not the voice of the good shepherd. You know what the voice of the good shepherd says? I see that sin. You did make a mistake. There are things about you that aren't yet right, and yet I'm going to atone for those. I'm going to take away your guilt so that your guilt and my guilt, your sin and my sin, your mistakes, my mistakes, do not have the last word over you. So any voice that you hear on repeat that condemns you over and over again, it's not the voice of Jesus. You can rebuke that voice. It's not the voice of the Lord. It's not what the good shepherd sounds like, who atones for your sin. So some of us really battle with those voices of sort of, I fall short, I fall short, I fall short. All those of us, <laughs> we're like, eh, whatever. I don't need someone to forgive me my sins. I haven't done anything that bad. I haven't done anything that wrong, right? So there's the extremes, right? Now here's the thing. To those of you who are on the, I'm not that bad, I'm not, like, I don't need someone to atone for my sins. I don't need forgiveness, whatever. Here's what I want to propose to you. What if we took every thought you've had for the last 24 hours and put it up here on the big screen? One day, just 24 hours. How perfect would you look then? What if I gave you a week? What if I gave you a month? What if I gave you a year? Every thought you've ever had up here on the screen, exposed under the bright lights of the stage lights and everyone else around you, how good would you look then? All of us need at oneing again. By God's grace, God's mercy, this is what God does. He atones for our sins to make things right. Isaiah has this vision, and there's three parts to this dance, this kind of experience that Isaiah has with the Lord. That is signature, so distinctive, but it's just telling us what's always, always, always true. This signature reality, this three-part dance. Part one is sort of God's signature reality. God is king. He is Lord. He reigns forever and ever and ever. Amen. The angel's response is to worship and bear witness to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's on the throne. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's part one. And then part two is this interaction. God's holiness is this bright light that exposes Isaiah's sin. And he, his response is he grieves over the sin. My sin is blocking me. I should not be here or I need some help in order to be in God's presence. And then God's beautiful signature response, that I see that sin. Let me atone for that. I'm going to take away your guilt and your shame. That's the first two parts of the three-part dance. That whole thing sets Isaiah up for the call that's going to change his life and actually change the course of Israel and changes, has changed the world because Isaiah faithfully responded to this call. Here's, here's Isaiah's part three of, the, of his uh, signature reality in this dance. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me. This, uh, this past week, my wife Kelly and I, we celebrated 25 years together. 25th our anniversary this past week, which is such a, yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. 
<laughs> I mean, if, you, if you'd been at year three, you would not have put money that would have made this as far. So that's good. She is sticking with me. That's great. I think she's not giving up on me. The, my warranty wears out in the next 30 days. So I'll let you know if anything changes on that. But 25 years ago, we had a very simple call and response that changed our lives. The pastor said, will you? And I said, I will. And she said, I will. <laughs> Whew, let's close there for a second. And what we've done for 25 years is just said, I will, over and over and over again. In good days and hard days, when we're driving each other crazy and our kids are driving us crazy or situation's really hard. Simple call and response. I will. And then I will, I will, I will, I will, over and over again. Isaiah's life is also changed by a simple call and response. Who will go? And Isaiah says, here am I. I will go. And he says, I will, I will, I will for the rest of his life. And it's not easy for Isaiah, but he is faithful. Signature call goes out to every generation. It's not just Isaiah's call. It's everyone's call. Who will go? Who will go to a weary world? Who will go to a broken world, a fractured world, with all these people kind of throwing rocks at reality, throwing rocks at each other, throwing rocks at the, the wrong tribe or the wrong people across all these different lines? Who will go into the world that's fraught with fracturing and declare the good news of at one mint? Who will go and declare the good news of God's grace and mercy to a people who are lost, who are distraught? Who will help people who are struggling today, who are experiencing significant strain in their marriages, in their homes, in their extended families, in their medical situation? Who will go? Who will go? Who will go? That call is not just to Isaiah. That call, that call goes out to every single generation. Once we've been atoned for, what are we going to do about it? How do we go? Where do we go? Who will go? Isaiah gives us this beautiful signature response. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Would you practice that with me? Here am I, send me. Again, here am I, send me. One more time. Here am I, send me. Who will go? To your friends, neighbors, your classmates, the people on your basketball team, soccer team, swim team. Who will go to your coworkers, extended family? Who will go, who will go, who will go and declare to them the good news? That Jesus is Lord. God is king no matter what's happening in your life. That God is good. His faithfulness endures forever. The glory of the Lord is all over this earth. And we're invited to step into that as best we can. And to invite his glory to intercede, to invade our own homes, our own spirits, our own souls, and our situations. Who will go and tell them the story about, here's how God's glory is intersecting my life. Here's how God healed me after a really hard marriage, really hard breakup. Here's how God's glory healed me in the midst of my own challenges at work. Here's how God, in his kindness, corrected me. I was doing something stupid. And God's glory intersected me with his kindness and mercy and discipline and redirected my life. Here's how God's wisdom is teaching me how to manage my money better and work with and work on my marriage in different kinds of ways or parenting more wisely here's how god's glory is intersecting my life here's how god's glory and his purposes are calling me to be more generous than normal people maybe that sounds weird to you if you don't know god maybe that sounds, sounds kind of odd let me tell you about god's economy and how god works let me tell you the story of god's glory in my life who will go and bear witness to a weary and broken world here am i send me this is the third part of Isaiah's sort of signature moment that gathers up his response, signature reality, God's call to every generation, who will go, who will go, who will go, and our signature response, here am I, send me. The vision of the reality of God as king 
and the gift of the atonement of God for our sins are all for the sake of the mission of God to step into a broken and weary world to declare the good news of God who makes atonement for all of us. Here's all three of that three-part dance that Isaiah goes through about God's reality, God's grace revealed to Isaiah in this moment that is always true, and then how Isaiah shows us this response, this call and response back and forth over and over and over again, all three of these three things together. And my friends, about 750 years after Isaiah gets this call, there's a new prophet born. And this prophet he sees God like no one else sees God. In fact, at one point, this prophet says to the people, a big crowd of people, he says, listen, I'm only doing whatever I see my father doing over and over and over again. Every good thing I ever do is just what the father's doing. I'm just going to see the father and get in step with him over and over and over again. This prophet sees God's glory, God's majesty, God on the throne. And this prophet is not grieved over his own sin. He has no sin. He is faithfully obeying the Father at every step along the way. But what does grieve him is the sin of the world around him, how fractured, how broken this world is. It was created perfect and beautiful. But man, these people are like sheep without a shepherd. These people are like a stiff-necked people. They rebel against God over and over again. There is so much loss and heartache, and he grieves that, how much brokenness and pain there is. Everything he does demonstrates the glory of God. He touches someone who is blind and says, God's glory is going to restore your sight, and he's healed. He, his teaching is laced with the holiness of God, declaring the wisdom of God, the truth of God, and saying, live this way. This is the right side up in an upside down world. Live according to the kingdom of God. At every turn, he hears the Father's call again and again and again. Every day, the Father says over him, who will go? And every single day, he wakes up and says, I will go. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. He responds faithfully at every single turn until that call leads him to a cross. Because what's going to atone for all the sins of the whole world is not going to be animal sacrifices. And good news, my friends, what's going to atone for our sin is not religious stuff. Not you working harder. Not you performing better. What's going to atone for all our sin is not you doing more and more and more religious stuff, kind of piling on, trying to be as good as you possibly can be. That can't atone for all our sin. What's going to atone for our sin is the body and the blood of the perfect sacrifice. The sent one, the one who said, here am I, send me. In fact, in John's gospel, Jesus' favorite description of himself is he is the sent one, been sent by God the Father. Sent for what? To demonstrate that the whole is full of God's glory, to reveal the holiness of God, and ultimately to atone, to make the world a whole place again by his body and by his blood, that we might spend eternity in God's presence, singing to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory, and one day the whole earth will be full of his glory as waters cover the sea. Everyone will see, everyone will know that the whole earth is full of the light and life of God because of the work of this Jesus. Jesus is the perfect Isaiah who brings us into fellowship and atones for our sins, and at ones us with God the Father. And today we celebrate his sacrifice as we come to the meal that he gave us. Today we celebrate the good news that he gave himself up, that we, our sin might be atoned for, and that we might receive his grace and his mercy. On the night Jesus was betrayed and gave himself up, his body on the cross, he took ordinary things and made them extraordinary. He took bread and broke it, said, this is my body given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup. 
that this cup is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me, that atoning sacrifice. And this morning, we're going to celebrate that sacrifice, and we're going to do it like we typically do. We've got three stations, but this morning, we're also going to in- include the note cards that are on your seats. So if, if you've got a note card, you should have one right there, and there's a pen or a pencil in the seat pocket in front of you. So grab your note card, and I want you to grab a pen or pencil. And this morning, instead of uh, sort of writing down sort of God's signature grace and our signature response, and we're not going to post these up on the, on the, on the back, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to step into Isaiah's dance, the, this three-part dance here. Of Isaiah. I'm going to invite you to find your spot and then to bring that up to the communion tables as we come and take communion. So on the left side of the card, I'm going to invite you to do this. I'm going to invite you to sort of write down what you need atonement for. This is just between you and the Lord. No one else is going to see this. What do you need atonement for? This could be like, I said something to my kid on the way here to church this morning. Or it could be something larger like, man, my pride needs atoning, my ambition, my vanity, my anxiety. What do you need atonement for? Anything. What, what do you need atonement for? You're just naming the fact that, hey, I need someone to atone for my sin. And I'm, I'm willing to admit and acknowledge that. So on the left side, this is what I need atonement for. I'm agreeing. I'm stepping into Isaiah's dance here and God's, God's revelation of his goodness. And then on the right side... We're going to step into the sentence of this. Here am I, send me to blank. And I want to invite you to write down and be as specific as you can. Here am I, send me to my middle school. Here am I, send me to my high school. Here am I, send me to my soccer team. Here am I, send me to my workplace. Here am I, send me to my neighbors. Barney, Fred, Wilma, Betty, whatever their names are. Here am I, send me to my neighborhood. Here am I, send me to maybe a, a, a place you volunteer, a place that you serve. Here am I, send me to my baseball team. Here am I, send me to the fellow parents at this event or this place. Here am I, send me to, and I want to invite you, whatever you're willing before the Lord, to offer to the Lord and say, I'm willing to go. I want to invite you to write that down on the right side of this card. Left side, here's what I need atonement for. I'm, being, I'm admitting I need the help. I need forgiveness. On the right side, here am I, send me to blank. Whatever that might look like, whatever that might be. And we're going to pray here in just a minute. We're going to go to the communion stations. And I'm going to invite you to bring this card up and drop it on the table. You're offering this to the Lord. This is your offering to the Lord. I need forgiveness for this, and I'm willing to go there. And you're going to exchange your card for the body and blood of Christ. Right? You're going to drop this on the table, wherever you can find spaces, leave it there. And then you're going to take the body and the blood of Christ. Take that back to your seat and we'll eat and drink together. There's the atonement that God offers each of us in his grace, in his mercy. As we move to the stations and the tables, the bread is always is gluten-free, the cup is grape juice, so everyone's invited. Invite you to come on up whenever you're ready, bring your card up, leave it at the table, and then get the elements, again, take them back to your seats and we'll eat and drink together. As we usually do when we have communion Sundays, the prayer team will be available. They're going to be behind those curtains right over there. Hey, some of you are going to have stuff on this card that you're not ready to leave behind yet. Some of you got stuff on this card that you need to leave behind, but you're having a hard time leaving it behind. Or you're either having a hard time because you're not sure you want God to atone for this sin or because you feel some resistance to going where God is sending you to go. So I want to invite you, if you feel some tension, some dissonance, or some challenge with sort of what you're writing on this card, I want to invite you to go get prayer and see what the Lord might do. Others of you, you got stuff going on that doesn't have to do with this card. You got medical situations, you got family challenges, you got marriage challenges, you got work stuff, you just need prayer for. One of the best things you could do, one of the wisest things you could do is to avail yourself of people who will pray for you, listen to you, pray for you, and then send you to go and celebrate communion. So I'm going to invite you in the next minute or so, fill out this card, come on up, 
leave the cards at the table, exchange them for the body and blood of Christ, take it back to your seats, and we'll eat and drink together. Let's pray. We now to our time of communion. Lord Jesus, thank you for showing us the holiness of God and the goodness of God better than anything else and anyone else. We cry out with the angels, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. And Lord Jesus, we long for your lives to be, our lives to be full of your glory. Would your glory come intersect our lives, intersect our marriages and our homes and our families, but intersect our financial situations, intersect the broken relationships, the extended family, the hurt, the heartache. Would your glory intersect our pride and our arrogance and humble us, quiet us, call us to repentance. And Lord, in your kindness, you forgive us. And then you say, you send us to go. And so Lord Jesus, as we approach these tables, we want to have the humility to recognize where we need atonement, what we need atonement for. And then we want to have the courage to say, here am I. Send me to. And Lord, would you give us the wisdom, insight, understanding to write, who are you sending us to? Give us understanding. Help us to be wide awake to who you're sending us to with the good news that God's glory fills the earth. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Take these elements and awaken our hearts and our minds and our imaginations with what is always true. We bless you and praise you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.